Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? (laughs) Our first tale tonight comes from author Dan David, entitled Merrillville, Indiana. Have you heard of a town in Indiana called Merrillville? It's a small, quaint little place outside of Indianapolis. A lot of mom-and-pop shops, back roads, and a couple of local Dairy Queens for high schoolers to hang out at in the summer. Nothing too strange. I bet you can wander the streets for hours and find nothing odd about it. Unfortunately, I did. A couple of years ago, I drove through Merrillville. My girlfriend, Michelle, and I were on our way to a concert in Indianapolis, coming from Chicago. The tickets were free, so we figured the three-hour drive, complemented by a beautiful mid-August day, would be worth it. For the most part, it was. The highway had little to no traffic, so we were making great time. It wasn't until our GPS took us off the highway that we had issues. The exit directed us into Merrillville. At first, things were fine. 
there were a handful of cars driving around us. The establishments and infrastructure, though somewhat dated, did not set off any alarms. We even saw a couple gassing up at the corner stations. Proceeding on the given route, we continued to explore the small Indiana town. Eventually, I noticed something wasn't right. It had been about five minutes of driving around before I realized there were no other cars in the street. None driving, none parked, nothing. While it was somewhat strange, I was able to brush it off. What bothered me more than that was the weather. The sunny day we had been enjoying disappeared, transforming the clear summer sky to one of thick, menacing clouds. We drove on for a few more minutes before Michelle verbalized my thoughts. Are we, like, the only people in town right now? She joked. Her tone mimicked confidence, but it was clear she was concerned. I was, too. What was going on? How could we have gone that long without seeing a single person? No drivers, not even any pedestrians. We were suddenly in a ghost town. I realized we'd been driving in silence for a while. Our mix CD had finished, so I hit the radio button in hopes of relieving the tension in the air. Silence. The radio station was completely silent. No static or white noise, just nothing. Michelle and I looked at each other, both of us not uttering a single word. I tried all the presets and even tried scanning around, but it was of no use. I put the stereo back on CD mode and put it on track one. The music began to blare through the speakers. I forgot we had turned up the volume to its max in hopes of hearing something on the radio. Startled, I turned it down and took Michelle's hand to comfort her. Babe, can you check out the GPS? Uh, reset it if you have to. I said with a calm tone. She nodded and grabbed my phone from her lap. She closed out the GPS app and reopened it to enter the venue address once again. Her grasp suddenly tightened up, and her breathing became noticeably louder and faster. I turned to her and reluctantly asked, What's wrong? There's... there's no signal, not even one bar. She squeaked out through exasperated panting. We had just full service literally a minute ago. I faked a laugh and replied, We're in a small town. It's probably just a dead zone. I realized immediately how poorly phrased that statement was. In the corner of my eye, I noticed her leering at me. Unfortunately, before I could correct myself, things got worse. Static began playing over the music. Barely noticeable at first, it only took a few seconds for the brain-rattling screech to become ear-piercing. Michelle jerked her hand from mine and blindly slammed the radio console accidentally switching back to the radio. The static stopped, but what we were met with made us wish it hadn't. A distorted voice was heard through the speakers. It sounded like multiple synchronized voices combined into one, with sickness rising in our stomachs. We listened as it spoke. Pull the vehicle to the side of the Road. It sounded as if whoever was speaking 
were struggling to string the sentence together, like English was not their native tongue. Eventually, the voice changed its tone. It became louder and louder until it began to aggressively scream the original request, demanding that we come to a stop. Pull the vehicle to the side of the road. Pull the vehicle to the side of the road. Pull the vehicle to the side of the road. Michelle had begun to cry quietly and turned to me. What's happening? Are we in trouble? Why don't they just pull us over? I really don't think these are cops, Michelle. I answered as I shut off the radio altogether. I kept my eyes pinned to the road ahead, looking for any exit out of Merrillville. There was nothing, just intersection after intersection. It was then that the stoplights ahead of us all turned red at the same time. Without hesitation, I pushed down on the gas and sped through each of them. Michelle was caught off guard and began to scream at me to stop. What are you doing? Slow down, she demanded. We're the only ones here, Michelle. I'm not stopping for anything. The pedal was to the floor at this point. Finally, I had a glimmer of hope. A sign became visible to the side of the road, directing us to the highway. I continued down the road, blowing red lights, stop signs, everything. In less than two minutes, we found the entrance to the highway and immediately turned to access it. Before the wheels touched the pavement of the interstate, a bright flash illuminated the dark sky. It looked like a powerful burst of lightning, but lingered just a little too long to be natural. No thunder accompanied the sinister flash, but it was far from silent in the car. Michelle let out a blood-curdling scream and buried her face in her hands. At this point, I was going well over 100 miles per hour with no concern of laws, collisions, or other common concerns of driving. We continued to drive in silence for a couple minutes before we finally began to see other cars passing by. The clouds in the sky completely dissipated. The radio began to work again with no sign of the static. The GPS also began to work rewriting us back to the concert. Michelle and I didn't speak until we arrived to the venue. We pulled into the wide-open field that apparently was used for parking. Upon seeing all the other cars and people, we finally began to calm down. Staff directed us to an open spot, and we pulled in. I turned to Michelle and took her hand before asking, You okay? She chuckled under her breath and nodded her head. She sported an expression of sarcasm and replied, Just grab our seats. I really need a beer right now. And the rest of the day was excellent. The seats were better than we expected and the show was great. The atmosphere was so energetic and exciting that we both had forgotten about our previous ordeal. It wasn't until the show was over and we were back in the car that we realized something. We would most likely have to take the same route back if we wanted to get home. I didn't even wait for Michelle to voice her concern. As soon as I fired up the engine, I declared, We'll find another way back, even if we have to drive a couple hours extra. Michelle smiled and nodded before laying her head on my shoulder and breathing a sigh of relief. We drove under the starry sky, windows down, enjoying the warm summer night. Michelle had dozed off, but I was wide awake. I knew we would be approaching Merrillville any minute now. 
kept an eye on the GPS and nervously awaited the command to exit the highway and enter the town we dreaded so intensely. But the command never came. For some reason, the GPS had calculated a new route back. Before I knew it, we were back in the city limits of Chicago without a mere mention of Merrillville. I was confused, but mostly I was relieved. I didn't even want to question it. Michelle woke up and immediately looked around. She noticed we were surrounded by the familiar cityscape and groggily asked where we were. We're back in Chicago. We're, we're fine now, I said with a reassuring smile. We drove back into the suburban town we called home. I dropped her back at her place, and that was that. Michelle and I broke up a couple months later. It had nothing to do with our experience from that night. We just began to drift apart and decided to end things before we came bitter toward one another. It had actually ended on good terms, and we agreed to try and remain friends, but you know how those things go. Naturally, we lost touch. Almost a year passed by since the two of us had spoken in person. The point came where she even deleted all her social media accounts, so I was never even sure what she had been up to. I was grabbing a cup of coffee at a local shop when I ran into a familiar face in line, Michelle's younger sister, Christina. We had some small talk, and I asked how Michelle was doing. She's all right. I haven't heard from her for a while, though, said Christina. Oh, I pondered. Why's that? I really did find it strange. Michelle had always been close with her family, and her sister was no exception. She moved out of town recently. Her sister said as she fumbled through her purse. I smiled. Awesome. She always talked about leaving this cold weather and heading to the West Coast. So where did she finally decide on? Uh, Arizona or California? Neither, she remarked. She moved to some boofoo town over in Indiana. She just packed a bag and drove out there without telling any of us. She didn't even tell her landlord, just left... Each of us a voicemail letting us know she'd be gone. I said nothing. I just stared blankly. Christina continued. We all assumed she was having money problems. When she called, she must have done it from a payphone or something, because her voice sounded really weird in the voicemail. Plus, why else would someone move to such a boring town? In Indiana, of all places? Right there is probably way cheaper. I stared back at the woman in silence as my mind began to go all over the place. I was expecting her to look up and start laughing any second, admitting what she said was just some kind of dark joke. Did... did you say Indiana? I choked out. Yeah, she said. Merrillville, Indiana. I swallowed hard, reluctantly asked, do you still have the voicemail? Christina grabbed her phone and scanned through it. Let me see here. Ah, yes, here, here it is. Check it out. Her voice sounds like she's being auto-tuned or something. She joked. I didn't laugh. Grabbing the phone from her hand, I hit play and held it to my ear. Upon hearing the contents of the message, my skin went white. Her voice had the same exact distortion as the voice that we heard on the radio that day. The only difference was that the primary voice was, in fact, Michelle's. 
Her tone completely lacked any hint of emotion as she spoke. I will be leaving town today, going to Merrillville, Indiana. Please come visit anytime. My eyes welled up and I cut a lump in my throat. Christina caught this and asked what was wrong. How could I even explain it to her? What could I possibly say to even try and explain everything? Clearly, Michelle never told her family about what happened to us while in that town. No way would they have let her go there again if she did. Before I could respond, I felt my phone begin to vibrate sporadically at my side. With shaky hands, I fished it out of my pocket. To my surprise, I was not receiving an incoming call. It was a series of text messages from Michelle's number. They were broken up in small fragments. When the vibration stopped, I was finally able to see the complete sentence. Yes, please do come visit me anytime. I think you know where to find me. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our final story for tonight is from author Joshua L. Hood, entitled Bust Montana. Recorder is running out of memory. I set it to loop. 
God help me, it's hard to stop talking. This is all I've got left. I'm scared to go back into the bus. I'm scared to stay out here. I'm just so scared. It's always dark now. If only the sun would come... Shh! It's... I think... In the trees. Is that the doctor? Is someone there? Dear God. The air is so heavy here. I can hear it coming now. Department heads have signed off. This project is now eligible for my thesis. I don't think Dr. Loop was too happy about having the journalism department involved. But six months into the GI mess and a tour driving armored convoys in Iraq? Can't turn down that kind of experience, could you, Doc? So I'll get 12 bucks an hour, credit as driver and field cook, and a chance to scoop the biggest story in Western archaeology since, I don't know, whatever the last one was. This one will make for a great resume. Watch out, National Geographic. Here I come. March 3rd, 2014. So, I've decided to read up a little on Old West mining towns. I don't know jack about archaeology, and I don't want to be a total load. Also, I'll be recording everything for posterity. Never know what I'll need for the thesis. I'm off to an orientation meeting with the archaeological crew now. Updates to come. March 3rd continued. Okay, so this Dr. Loop guy, he's a real hard ass. Says I can't video or photograph anything while I'm there. Didn't say anything about digital sound recorders, though, and I certainly didn't ask. He says a find like this would be too tempting for another archaeologist to steal. He added looters as an afterthought, but I think he's more worried about his reputation. Can't say as I blame him. I'm looking forward to a big story here. Gonna be pissed if this thing goes bust. Speaking of bust, that's where we're headed to. Bust, Montana. I'll spare the academic backstory. That's available in writing. Short story is that there's this place called Bust, somewhere just over the Idaho border into Montana. In the words of Dr. Loop, it's a legend-has-it kind of place. I guess they weren't even sure it existed until a survey crew came across it two years ago. It's not technically a town, since it never formally registered in the territory. I guess the original settlers, miners and horrors mostly, weren't keen on other people knowing about their little operation. It's not even on any maps. Dr. Loop said that the legends say that a gold vein was found that was so rich, no one wanted anyone else to know where it was. That's why they called it Bust, for the same reason that Greenland is ice. Iceland is full of trees, he said. Makes sense in a way, and apparently it worked. By the time truth got out about the size of the load, the town had been completely abandoned. The first rushers that showed up only saw old buildings and piles of slide. They said they couldn't even find the mine. After that, it became a ghost town. Then it became a moss-covered heap. But now we get to dig it up. Exciting, isn't it? March 15th. Departure. All right, gear is stowed. I got my driving shoes on and we're ready to boogie. I think the Archies will be a lot of fun. 
They've already started drinking. I got one more title to my credit. I get to shoot the official photos of the dig. Luke said my journalism degree's got to be good for something. I can't have the camera to myself, though. They're stored away with the other gear. Can't be too careful, eh? Yeah, right. Well, let's get rolling. Got a long drive. March 15th continued. So I don't think I mentioned the bus. We got a full-size commuter bus for 12 people and the gear. It's university-owned, but it looks like something Buddy Holly might have toured in. Old as... Uh, you know what. Drives like it too, but I've driven worse. They took out the back several rows of seats and turned it into a makeshift lab. I'll be sleeping in the bus. They said it would be a good idea for security's sake. Personally, I'm just glad I won't be stuck outside. Looks like rain. March 15th continued. Last stop, smoky little mountain town. The right has been beautiful. Misty mountains, slow drizzle, no traffic. We're way out in the boonies here. The trees are old and dense, a real postcard if I've ever seen one. There's still patches of snow, but the green is already coming back to the valleys and hills. I certainly won't mind spending the next six weeks out here, which beats the sand and IEDs of my last camping trip. <laughs> okay, this place is... We oh, wait, oh. March 15th, continued again. All right, this place is weird. At dinner time, the Archies wanted to grab some grub in town. It'll be the last time in six weeks that they won't have to put up with my cooking. Bah, <laughs> say what you want about the army. It'll make you a good cook. They'll find out soon enough. So anyway, we pull into town here. All the passengers are asleep, okay? So we come into town, and I swear to God that all of these people are all standing outside along the street, just standing. It's not a big town. But it's like everyone is just hanging around outside in the rain, looking at nothing in particular. Maybe they heard the archaeologist were coming through, just didn't have anything else better to do. If they were expecting Indiana Jones, I think they were disappointed. And that would explain the sour looks on all their faces. Not sour like angry, mind you. I never got the angry locals hate the outsiders vibe, which would be preferable in a lot of ways. They just seemed vacant. So we got gas and hit the local dive. Greasy spoon joined with burgers, meatloaf, nothing else. And I swear to God that not one person outside of our little group said a damn thing the whole time. Not when the waitress took our order, not when we paid, nothing. And they all just stood around when they weren't doing anything, kind of staring off into nothing. Strange. March 16th. Got to the campsite late last night. We all just crashed in the bus until morning. Not like literally crashed, I mean slept. Anyway, I just finished my first meal with much plum, bacon, eggs, oatmeal. We bought enough food for a week. Then I have to go back into that town to restock. I'm not looking forward to that. Apparently, I wasn't the only one to notice everyone acting weird. It's all the Archies could talk about on the rest of the way up. 
One guy said that they all looked dirty to him, that they smelled like dirt. And the waitress had twigs stuck in her hair. Another girl said they reminded her of bad actors who'd forgotten how to play their parts. Said she thought they didn't act like real people. Like, oh, what's that? On my way. The good doctor requires my assistance. Time to earn my keep. March 17th. I don't think it's just the town that's a little messed up around here. Maybe it's the altitude or there's something in the water. I heard of mineral poisoning that people get from poor mining practices. Maybe the old miners of Bust were using a little too much mercury or something. Gotta be it. Or maybe someone's just screwing with us. Yesterday, when the doctor called me down, he wanted me to start taking some photos. The crew had just tied off their grid, a neon checkerboard of string, tied to stakes, and were busy clearing off the surface vegetation with their trowels. The university has a sweet digital camera set up, and I kind of got lost in the work. Next thing I know, it's lunch, which means I'm on deck. So I whip up a few PB&Js and fruit salad back at the bus, and we all chow down. Now, this is where it gets strange. After lunch, we head back to the site to start digging, and we immediately notice that something is wrong. Everything looks exactly like it should, except that the string grid on the ground is all messed up. I swear that just a half hour earlier, we were working in a meticulously laid out one meter by one meter pattern, but suddenly we all noticed that the measurements were all wrong. The first square off the starting point, the datum, was fine, but after that the second and third squares were only about half as wide as they were long. The ones after that went off on a slight angle. The further away from the datum it got, the more screwed up it was. None of it was that screwed up, but it was all off just a little. I thought that if it had been the terrain or something, that I would have noticed earlier. Naturally, all of our first thoughts were that someone had snuck in while we were off eating and pulled up the stakes. Problem was, as the doctor soon noticed, after he told everyone to back the hell off and go back to preschool to learn how to count, was that the string had been pulled tight around the pegs at all the corners when they were adjusted so that it looked like it was professionally tied off that way. A feat that he assured us would have taken far more than half an hour. Moreover, the areas where the crew had been clearing away the surface vegetation still followed perfectly along the lines of the grid, even after it was screwed up. I was shooting the whole morning, and I know that those guys were following those lines like the smartest kid in kindergarten. So what, then? How had the whole thing gotten screwed up? I don't know. I had the bright idea of checking the photos I'd been taking that morning. As soon as I clicked the review button on the camera, I nearly crapped myself. All of the photos showed the crew working diligently away at excavating skewed and off-center grid squares. Everyone there swore in their lives that they'd been in perfectly measured pits. After that, Dr. Loop took all the booze in camp and locked it in the bus's cargo compartment. He said that the crew was on thin ice and that it wasn't really funny. I agree, but he never did explain how it was that he'd gone all morning without noticing too. 
though I could tell that he was bothered since he was only yelling half-heartedly. March 17th. Continued. Haven't had much to do since the crew has spent all day trying to recover from the damage caused by the screwed-up grid. I decided to go back over the pictures on the camera. I pulled them onto the laptop just for the purpose. Battery life is limited, but I'll risk it. I noticed something strange. Well, something else strange. There seems to be someone else in camp with us. I know how that sounds, and trust me, I've double-checked. But after counting up the number of people three times, I always come up with one person extra. That's 13 people. Damnedest thing, though, is that I can't decide who's extra. I go through the images, and I can name every one of the people in them. All 12. When I count up the numbers of different faces, there's 13. Since there are no pictures of everyone together, it's hard to tell which face is extra. Though you'd think it would be obvious. Maybe someone just changed their clothes, or put on makeup or something. Hard to tell. Can't really rationalize it, no matter how hard I try. March 18th. Yesterday, after my last entry, I went to Dr. Loop to tell him about the people in the pictures. I didn't know how he'd take it or if he'd even listen. But when I got to the site, I found him yelling at one of the grad students. She was holding half a spool of neon string and yelling back. The problem was obvious. She was claiming that they double-checked his measurements and all the stake positions fell in the same place every time. The grid was all messed up again. You watched us do it, she showed. It was perfect. She didn't look perfect from where I was standing. Jesus Christ. So I just did an experiment. Thought I'd engage in a little science of my own and took a picture of myself with the camera. At first, it looked like just another bad selfie on the internet. I was almost relieved. Then I noticed the shape behind me. Just outside the bus window, there was a person. He, or she, looked damn familiar, but I can't tell exactly who it is. Jesus, man. March 18th continued. It's nighttime. Or at least it's dark like nighttime. I guess night comes early in these parts, because it's barely past dinner. The stars are out brilliantly. On any other day, I'd do some stargazing, but I think I just want to hang out in the bus for a while. It feels safer in here, and the Archies are at each other's throats out there. The only productive thing done the past two days is that one guy found a tin box as he was driving a stake in the same place for the third time. Normally, I think they would have excavated the box out of the ground slowly, marking down all the sciencey stuff as they went. But Loop had had it by then, and he just shoveled the damn thing out. It was locked. I could tell that everyone wanted to know what was inside, but the good doctor checked himself right before wrenching it open and damaging their only find. Wrapped it in paper and stuck it in a makeshift lab area of the bus until we get back to the university. After that, everyone seemed to chill out, and they packed it in for the day. Then it started getting dark. No one seemed to notice the early hours, so I just let it go. Dinner was good, but no one seemed to appreciate it. 
I made extra dessert, hoping it would cheer everyone up, but they didn't even touch it. Well, more for me, I guess. They're all in their tents now. I guess it's as good a time as any to get some sleep. March 19th. It's still dark. Had to check my watch twice. It's 8.36 a.m. now. Two hours after I was supposed to be up. No one came and got me, which makes me feel like an idiot. I'll have to apologize for the late breakfast. Maybe I'll run into town and get everyone some pizza for lunch. That should cheer them up. Maybe they didn't wake me because the rain got worse. Clouds could explain the darkness. Sounds quiet on the roof of the bus, but maybe it rained all night. Can't dig in the mud, can they? Well, either way, they're going to need breakfast. They're all gone. Every tent is empty. Maybe they're at the dig already. We've got the coffee on the stove. It'll be a while, so I'm going to go check it out. Oh yeah, and it's not raining. It's still nighttime. Not a cloud in the sky, and this far from the city, the stars are spectacular. Wish I was in the mood to enjoy them. Maybe my watch is broken, but then, why are they gone? Um, March 18th, 19th, continued. They're all just standing there. There's one lantern in the middle of the dig, and they're all just standing around it, not moving can't see their faces from here. There are 13 of them. Okay, I I'm heading back to the bus. I thought to go back to town and get help, but then I remembered how everyone in the town was standing around and not saying or doing anything as well. Just like the crew. Can't be a coincidence, right? So now I don't know what to do. Maybe the doctor has a satellite phone in the emergency bag in his tent. Holy crap! Holy crap! They're back at camp! Shh! Gotta whisper. Don't know why, but I, I don't want them to see me. How did they beat me back? They're all just standing in camp. It's only twelve. They're all staring into the trees. The doctor has a cup of coffee. I didn't see him get it. He's standing near the front of the bus, and... There's something wrong with it. Different. It looks older, like the paint is cracked. And there's moss growing on the hood. It looks like it's been there forever. Oh, it still starts. I'm getting the hell out of here. There's something in the trees. Maybe. I, I don't know. Tendrils in my mind. A warning, a final warning, no more. Patience is waning. Don't make it come to us. What the heck? I don't remember making that last entry. I just... I just... Sitting here in the driver's seat with the recorder running, just staring. I don't remember getting in the bus. That last recording, uh, I just don't remember it. can see the top of a single tree in the starlight. It's not a pine. It's moving around back there. 
Is it? Hard to tell, it's still so dark. Stars. I don't recognize the stars. March 20-something. I made it to the tent. The doctor didn't have a phone, but I found a map of the site in his stuff. It's one he drew a couple of days ago after the grid fiasco. I chose the messed up grid and I noticed something. All of the distortions make a pattern that slowly kind of funnels down to a single point. It's not where the box was. It's kind of off to the east, just outside the grid area. I don't know what that means. I'm back in the bus now. There's, well, there's crap growing up through the floorboards, dust everywhere. Like it's abandoned for years. But nothing else is touched. All the gear is shining like new under the layers of dirt. It's almost like the outside is just coming on and making itself right at home. It's real quiet out there. I can't find the crew. Bus doesn't start. Can't even get the keys in the ignition. It's too rusted. Going back to the dig, maybe they're there. Maybe I can wake one of them up or something. They're all standing around a spot just to the east of the grid. They're staring down at the ground. No, a hole in the ground. They've got their arms full of something. It's shining in the light. Gold. This must be where the original settlers made their claim. I just noticed that the grid has overgrown again. The bright neon strings are faded out and sagging. Weeds everywhere. How'd they fade without sun? How long have I been out there? Seems like forever. Screw the gold, I'm going back to the bus. Maybe I can get it started. Or maybe there's something in that box. There's only a photo. It's an old tinotype or... Chroma print, or whatever they call those old-timey pictures. It's a group of old miners standing around an exposed chunk of ground that would probably shine gold if there was color. Written across the top are the words, only twelve. There are clearly thirteen people. Wait. There's something written on the lid of the box. It says, doesn't like them digging in it. Shouldn't be here. We are warned. What the, huh? Well, whatever it is, it should know that I didn't do the digging. Do you hear that? I didn't dig a damn thing. It's in the bus, but it'll be coming out soon. I saw it just before it came in. Through the dusty windows, I saw it. It was just sticks, maybe a tree moving along. Bailed out the back and crawled under the bus just as it came through the door. I don't think the tree thing was all of it. I think it was just part of it. I think everything is a part of it. I'm lying on it right now. The tree is just doing what it says. The tree thing moves like a two-legged spider. Its branches twist around like a dog's head, like it has eyes somewhere in that tangled thicket. I don't know what I'm saying. I... I feel like I've been awake forever. I don't feel alone. I feel like there's something else here with me. 
I can't see anyone. Wish I had the camera. It's getting closer. The stick creature's gone, I think. Hard to tell since it looks like trees. I can feel it waiting. I think it can feel me, too. Yes, it knows exactly where I am. There are tendrils, something reaching into my head. It wants me to say something, a warning. To stay out of its world, to not disturb it. The people in town couldn't warn us, they're already a part of it. It's old, so old. And it's tired of us. Getting fed up with us. It will come in its own time. Soon. That's it. I don't know what it means, but I've said it. Maybe it'll leave me alone now. Put this in the box. Hope it helps. The little indicator light says that my voice recorder is running out of memory. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well. 
to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.